You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to TechNest, the PropTech podcast. Got a very exciting episode. Promise you this is like nothing we've ever recorded previously. Michael Drieger, CEO of a company called Airset. You may recognize the name because he was previously on TechNest uh, with his company, Operto. Uh, but Airset is what we're talking about today. I'm going to give you a little bit about what they are straight from their words, but then we're going to jump into it because there's so much here to unpack on health, on safety, on compliance, on regulations, on comfort, and even climate uh, that affects all of us. Airset is a data and analytics platform built on top of IoT devices. It collects indoor air quality data then turns the data into information that industry partners can turn that into building improvements. It's a fascinating product. Uh, The market opportunity is massive. Let's jump to it. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Nate, thanks for having me back again. I'm excited to have you back. And as you said, again, because you're previously on the TechNest podcast. I appreciate being an early supporter and guest of the show but today we're we're talking about a different company yes and what you've been up to and it's kind of actually was born out of uh your other startup mm-hmm. which was recently in the news and making some really positive uh waves actually with some really cool partnerships so let's hear now uh you know we'll, we'll put the other uh startup on yeah pause. people can let's listen to that one, one. <laughs> if they want that's to. right we'll, we'll get the link to the old episode yeah. what are you working on today um, Airset Technologies. So it's something that I've been passionate about since forever. I've been in the green building world my whole life, and I've never really I've, like I've worked on living building projects, lead projects, uh, Boma, Best, all of those types of real estate rating systems, and I've never done ones with phenomenal air quality. Never. Um, so and it's and the reason that we haven't is because just it's a data problem. We just don't know anything that's going on. I mean, we know when it comes to energy, we're monitoring everything. We know what a fan coil is using. We know what, you know, the, we know how much water we're using. We know everything about all these other aspects of the building. We just know nothing about air quality. Um, and given it's, you know, you breathe eight liters of air a minute <laughs> and drink mm. six liters of water a day. And it's, it's pretty shocking to think that when you spend 90% of your time inside, you know absolutely zero about it. You know, um, I just the other day had contractors at my house to vacuum out our HVAC ducts, the, mm. the duct works in our in our in our house. You know, I only recently learned about that uh, through Twitter SMB, but it was interesting hearing from the guys that were here of what they pulled out of the ducts, and then when they were talking about all the drywall. I'm like, there's been drywall just blowing through my house. And fortunately, we only bought it, you know, just a few weeks ago. So it hasn't been that long. But the previous owners also had three dogs. So all that dander and fur 
that was down in there. They, you know, there's lots of things rattling around and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's interesting you talk about this, you know, data piece here. And you guys actually describe AirSet as a, a data and analytics platform built on top of IoT devices. So walk me through a little bit. What data are we collecting other than how many liters of air we breathe daily? So the the five biggest, so there's a there's a new sort of not green building rating system, but it's the wellness. I would think I would say that everything in the real estate world is going to the discussion of wellness in buildings. Um, and the five biggest categories to measure in, t- in terms of wellness in a building are obviously temperature, humidity. Humidity is really important. People forget that you're not just comfortable because of temperature. You've been obviously to you know the Philippines or something where it's 80% relative humidity and it's impossible to get comfortable. Um, so people forget how important humidity is. Uh, and then CO2, which is hugely important. There's lots of discussion around CO2 and adequate ventilation with the pandemic. Uh, and then there's chemicals, so VOCs, volatile organic chemicals. And then what you were just talking about, dust. So we usually call it um, PM 2.5. That's the most common one that's measured. Um, although on projects, we'll measure everything down to, so PM 2.5 is 2.5 microns in size. That's a dust particle. Um, but we have stuff that measures from PM 10, which is much bigger, all the way down to PM 1. Um, and it just depends on the project type. You probably don't need to measure PM 1 at home. You're probably more interested in measuring something like radon in the basement, right? Um, yes, every, that yeah. was the very first contractor we had there you go. to the house and we put in a radon mitigation system. Yeah, and which is an air quality problem because effectively what it is is it's slowly seeping up through the ground naturally. Um, given a long enough exposure and long enough time, it leads to lung cancer. But if you adequately ventilate the basement, there's no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first thing we did. Okay, so you have a platform that it's connected to IoT devices. Yeah. Okay, now walk me through some of these devices here first. And I think we'll take this step by step because there's multiple pieces we have to connect the dots on because I think this might be a new topic for a lot of people as far as how measuring air quality impacts a lot of different things. So these devices, we're talking like a Nest that I plug in at my house or is this something more like in a commercial setting? And that's the thing. That's why we're a platform for multiple device types because you need different device types for different applications or different projects. Uh, I'll give you a good example. So there's this one that we really like from a company called Yoohoo, which uh, has the ability for you to put a SIM card into it, which is really, really handy if you're doing a really quick sort of installation. You don't really know if you're going to have Wi-Fi. Maybe maybe the corporate entity that you're working with hasn't yet allowed you to connect an IoT device to their Wi-Fi, but now you can start collecting data. It's really great for, like my, I use it at my daughter's school where the internet isn't great. It's a really great one for that. However, there are other instances where um, you'll want to connect it to the control system. And in that instance, you probably want to have an Ethernet connection directly into it. You don't want it to be able to be tampered with. Um, and you probably are going to direct wire it. So you're not going to plug it in, right? You'll, you'll want to make sure that no one can unplug it <laughs> because you're going to be running your control system on top of, uh, of, of the, 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 the information that it's processing whether it be temperature, CO2, whatever the case may be. Got it. Okay, so then you have the ability. I kind of like, in my head, I almost think of like Zapier, right? Zapier. It's like, a lot like Zapier or like Airtable. Airtable. Similar. Your favorite Airtable. Yeah. 
I do love Airtable. I, I, I think I got you hooked on Airtable. That's true. Maybe those two years ago or three years ago. <laughs> you know, in a way, it's very much like that, right? Because really, the, our problem is, it, is we have a data problem, right? And you don't have the data in the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You, you have like 15 systems. And that's what's really nice about Zapier and Airtable, like you said, is that you can put the right information in the right place at the right time. Yep. And that's really the biggest thing with air quality is some like uh, there'll be facilities people that'll definitely want to know dust. Like you said, I mean, maintenance wise, you don't want to be wondering where you're going to be changing filters. Mm-hmm. If you had dust information, you'd know where to spend your time changing out filters. Yeah. So okay, that, that, that's, that's like a natural tie in here. So that's, that's where I wanted to get. I wanted to set the stage of like what we're measuring. It plugs into all these devices. Okay. But what is that solving for? Where are the, the applications for this? Because truthfully, I've never, I haven't seen on LinkedIn air quality monitoring specialists, you know, team lead as a, a job title. So I don't know, like, where does that actually fit into? And it, it sounds to me more of a commercial application. It's definitely more of a commercial application, although it is definitely in residential. Um, in residential, you're probably more used to people looking for mold, black mold, that kind of thing, especially in the US South. Uh, you'll often have mold issues, but you'll have, have radon, like you just had a radon guy. Um, but there's a, there's a massive network of indoor air quality um, consultants, as well as industrial hygienists. So these are people whose job it is to make sure that workplaces, homes, whatever the case may be, meet OSHA requirements, right? So work safe safety requirements for, because even the, the World Health Organization has limits um, for indoor air quality um, numbers. All, they all do, you have, there's local ones as well. So there's a net, these people have been around for 30 years and they've been around since the first real problem that we had with buildings, which was sick building syndrome, which was basically a factor of decreasingly outside ventilation um, and then also a bunch of other little problems you had legionnaires disease and you didn't really know that you were bringing in you know fetid water air off the intake you had all these you had all these issues especially in the 70s when we started you know decreasing the ventilation standards um, and so over 30 years there are these guys that have been that have sprung up and for, on the drywall side is a great one um, so lead for example uh, the green building rating system has a flush out period for every building because they know that during construction there's, there's, there's paint uh, fumes, there's dust, there, you name it. There's there's the fi- fibers from um, from insulation, everything. Yeah. So so there are also even professionals that deal with what's called a flush out. So basically, they just run the system before occupancy, so most of that stuff gets flushed out of the space. So over the last thirty years, there's been a massive network of commissioning professionals and you know, air quality professionals whose job it is to basically say, okay, this is how you meet work safe requirements or also how you most optimally run your building. Got it. I can think of so many uh, job sites that I've been on that now, only now because of talking about this, I'm just like, good night. What was I breathing in? Yeah. There's one specific, I was working on a condo building in the middle of winter in Pennsylvania and, you know, we're core drilling to, to put in plumbing and I'd never done core drilling and we had no running water. So what we did was we put one of those giant water tanks on a porch and then I had a hose and it siphoned from the hose just to my feet. So 
eight hours a day I stood there pressing a core drill into the concrete floor with water pouring over my boots that at some point then froze. And then I had to actually do this. I, I actually had to fill one bucket at a time. I had a nail hole in the bucket and I literally put a nail in and pulled the nail out because the water in our tank was frozen. But for two weeks straight, no one told me. I didn't know. I was I did this work with no mask. I was breathing no, in I know. all the lines. I remember doing that too. And yeah, I grew up in in the in the trades. Yeah, my dad was a contractor for forever. Oh, terrible! Like he, this is one of the reasons I got into this. Is one of his lungs basically is three like a quarter full of drywall dust. So he basically sort of hides out in Mexico where it's always room temperature and always the right humidity level because if he's in Saskatchewan where we're from the cold air it just it hurts his lungs so he doesn't have the lung capacity to really like wow. handle cold weather and and this is where it gets really interesting we didn't know about these things a long time ago and now they have things called dustless mud right like mud that you right, can for do drywall. for drywalling that's dustless so when you when you and then they have you know uh, vacuums now instead of just you know you're just sanding, sanding and sanding and filling the dust uh, in the air it's it's everything's changing which is a good thing industrial welding facilities same thing it's fascinating like you think of people welding do you know how I I was we were working with Arizona State University on a couple of things and they pointed out to me that the amount of dust in the air when you're welding is like ten to the six compared to anything else like it is an incredible number because if you think about it you're basically breaking down metal so the amount of metal in the air is, right. is extraordinary extraordinary so 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 we, we talked a few things here so like what are some of the clients that currently are using airset and who do you see are like ideal clients that are going to get the most value out of you know accurately measuring down those five points or any one of those five points that you described earlier? Well, everybody gets a uh, benefit from um, air quality data, literally everyone, because it's literally the only thing we all have in common is we all breathe air inside of spaces. It's just, it's different what you need for each of those spaces. So for example, like my daughter's classroom is a great example. I gave it to her because she's in a, a pretty simple little room and they were having she, she told me the other day, Dad, we're the only ones that uh, there's been no COVID cases since you've given me the data. Um, because what we're trying to do is say, okay, well, you don't have the resources to do a massive, massive HVAC upgrade. But if you have the data, you know when to open the window. You know when to turn on a humidifier. You know, do you know what I mean? Right. Like you can, you can do a lot of the actions manually. Um, and so there's two things that we track that she really just paid attention to. One was a virus index. And the virus index basically is uh, driven by four factors. Um, two, the two most important were the only ones I told her to pay attention to because they're also the two most important um, factors for brain health and cognitive performance, so how well you learn. Um, and there's CO2 and humidity mm. um, for, for when it comes to virus. And then it's CO2 and VOCs for learning. So she really only had to pay attention to three things and she could do it all manually. And she's 12. Right. Wow. We, like, and, and there's and there are other instances, for example, where we're into industrial facilities. Now we're talking complexity uh, at, a, at, a, at an insane level where we're monitoring things like um, like toluene in the air. And we're and we're turning on a system using the controls so that someone doesn't have to have tears in their eyes to know that toluene is in the air. The system just automatically will extract it before their eyes start tearing up. 
I imagine this means we no longer need canaries in coal mines. That's effectively, that's what our little bird is. So the Airset bird, his name is Ken Airy. Oh man, that's awesome. I didn't yeah. even put that together and now I feel like such an yeah. idiot, but obviously that's, Ken, Ken, that's yes, hilarious. Yes, Canary, the air set Canary. That's the basic concept, right? Because we've, we've been doing this forever. We literally brought Canaries in because Canaries have small little lung capacity and they would, they would die from carbon monoxide exposure. And yeah, sadly, and then they would die and then you'd know to get out. So it's the same thing. We just, we, we've gone hundreds of years without these canaries in our buildings. We only really have them in coal mines. Oh man, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, you know, as a, as a marketing guy, sometimes I like to talk through like the logos and names and, uh, and so we have the logo here, but why, why the name Airset? What does that, what does that mean? Or how does that, you know, kind of translate? Basically, it's the same kind of concept, except that basically you take the word asset and air because air is probably your most valuable asset. That's the basic concept. Um, because it's the, it's the number one thing that drives productivity. Like you've been, we've all been in that meeting where everyone's falling asleep. And the reason everyone's falling asleep is because the CO2 level is climbing to 1600 parts per million. Everyone's struggling for the same amount of oxygen. So there's hold this on, cool thing you're called- You're telling me. Yeah. You're telling me because I was in a small conference room with a few people for like an hour or an hour and a half. Yeah. It wasn't because it was boring. It was because the no. CO2- Well, it might have been boring. I don't know about that. The CO2 <laughs> yes, levels were usually... too high in that little office. And so it was actually causing us all to get a little sleepy. And that's why we all peter out an hour that's before right. the designated break. Yes. I so never the other- that. Yeah. So this was the main problem in my daughter's class is that it peaks right before lunch. And then it peaks again after lunch because effectively you got 26 kids all breathing, right? CO2 levels rising, 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 but then they all go for lunch and the space sort of like vents itself out. It's the same with a boardroom. That's why like at the beginning of the meeting, you're not, you're, 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 you're still there. Right. But as, but as the meeting goes on, you get tired because the CO2 level just keeps rising. And the biggest challenge that most people have is that they put the CO2 meter in the wrong spot. So if you put it, cause, CO2 is kind of like a buoyant gas. It sort of just, it, it sort of floats in a space. Okay. Um, so the best place to put a CO2 meter is between three feet and six feet off the ground because that's their breathing zone. But people put them in the duct. So 12 feet up and six feet over. So we've seen instances where the CO2 in the duct is showing 900, but the CO2 in the space is at 1700. Wow. Right, so everyone's sleepy. But the thing is not triggering to bring more outside air to bring this because you think we've we evolved outside right we evolved outside for millions of years at 400 parts per million co2 our brains are not meant to be at 1700 for a one hour period that's it's just it's unnatural so i could see how you know in offices where managers and and leaders they would want the benefits right they would want to see the benefits here but who is the you know, who is the buyer of Airset? Who's saying like, you know what we need? We need something that's going to, across the building, handle measurements here, like our different CO2s or the VOCs or our humidity. Who's the buyer for that? And then who's the daily user of the platform? The daily users of the platform are usually the facilities people or the maintenance people or those people that need data to help them save time during their day. So imagine, uh, here's a great example of a client that we have. Um, 
they have each facilities manager is responsible for 12, um, sort of, let's call them bank branches, spread throughout the city. How do you make a decision which ones to focus on in a one month period to do maintenance on? In the absence of data, you can't. You basically just have to visit each one of them. But if you have air quality data coming in, you, you see the outliers pretty quickly. And you, it's, it's the same with all things, right? If you have data, you know where to spend your time versus guessing where you should be spending time. The same can be said of, um, you know, almost maintenance, for example, like where should you be changing out filters, right? Where, where is something broken? Like where is a fan broken and not providing an, I once was working on a project where someone didn't realize that a fan had actually started on fire and was, cause it's way up in the ceiling in a duct and it's, and it's in an, it's in a, it's a fireproof enclosure and it was off. Nobody knew for, we're talking like, like a, probably a year. Wow. That's, and it wasn't until someone crawls up into that space and sees that it's broken. Well, you could see that right away. If you had air quality data, you'd know the fan wasn't, wasn't on. So, so this is, it's not just wellness that you're talking about here, but there's some overall safety in general. Yeah. That, that is, you know, going to be provided for those in the building. What, walk me through the scenario of like, what are my alternatives, right? Cause obviously like you're getting up and started and, and this is, this is a new way for people to be able to do this. What is the alternative method of, and, and some of these devices already exist. So is it an improvement on the workflow is it an improvement on the, the data and what to do with what you're measuring? It's yeah, it's, it's really all about the data. Um, and it's about management of the data and presenting the data in the right way to the right people. So there's, there's really three different views that we show. One is a very simple view, which is the tenant. When you walk into a building, all you care about is the space you're in. You don't care about the 12 like that facilities manager did, right? That's not the interface you're seeing. So it's all the same data. It's just, it's just contextualized differently for different people. The other big factor is um, it's all about correlation. So when you make an action, it's going to improve or degrade the air quality. Um, and because we're a data platform that that's going to be integrating to multiple things rather than just, you know, here's data. Um, that's another big factor is that we were able to see trends over time and like what affects this and like what better actions to take. Um, the other is none of the other platforms really have a reporting module. And that was the other thing that was really, really important is because there's a lot of compliance issues. There's a lot of sort of internal mandates, right? You might have a key performance index for your entire portfolio where every space should be under uh, 900 parts per million CO2, 200 parts per billion VOCs. And the only way to, to show compliance with that is with an alerting system and a reporting system. Got it. Which, which the, sure, the devices provide uh, an alerting system, but not a reporting system. I know all of us breathe air, obviously. <laughs> and eventually... Oh, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've made some jokes, but I, I do think that we're going to see somewhat of a return back to the office. So you have a lot of, of, of people who are going to be headed back into the office. So when you're, when you're trying to think of the market opportunity that this represents to Airset as a business, how do you how do you sum that up? What, what does that market opportunity look like? The market opportunity is absolutely gigantic, right? Like if you, it's trillions of square feet of office space. 
millions and millions of square feet of uh, hospital space. We're working with some health authorities, daycares, every, everything, you, you name it. Because we're, we're also even really doing uh, research around sleep. Because um, air quality affects your sleep as well. <laughs> uh, unsurprising. You know that, you know how you have great sleeps when you go uh, camping? That's CO2. Well, usually that's because I just got my ass. You're also tired. You're also very tired. But it's also it's also very much to do. Try and try and sleep with the CO2 1500 parts per million. It's very hard. You have a very uh, fitful, terrible sleep. Interesting. Maybe that's why I I like the heat turned off or really low. And and I or or a window and a fan running. And a window and fan open. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people sleep that way, and there's that. It, it, we naturally know these things, um, and when we forget, we we pay for them, right? I feel like my life is starting to make sense <laughs> <laughs> as I'm like reviewing this. So, so I mean, obviously, th- there's a tremendous opportunity for you guys to gain some ground. Where have you seen the most adoption come from currently? Um, the most adoption is with partners because partners, it's making their life easier. So it used to be. For example, in, that, um, in one example, they were doing uh, a yearly inspection. So they would go in with air quality devices, measure for a one-week period, um, or, or just spot check, and say, okay, here's your report. This is, this is the building's air quality. Um, one, that actually takes a lot of time because it's a, like labor is everything. You've got to drive there. You've got to put the thing. You've got you to take back the test data. You've got to take out an Excel spreadsheet. You've got to turn that into a report. Basically, now we can do a report every week if we wanted to. Not that you'd want to do that, but usually they're done quarterly because most of your problems are really seasonal. Um, but sometimes you'll want to do monthly reports. So now they can do monthly reports without ever having to go to site. Um, and then if they need to, when they go to site, they know exactly where to go because the data will tell you where to go instead of you so, so wandering around with a wand trying to, like Ghostbusters. These guys look like Ghostbusters. <laughs> with wands trying to get 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 data manually so there, there, there's these consulting firms and specialist firms and and experts who you know that's their thing they do air quality measurements and control and provide usually reports. for compliance purposes or even Got for it. internal mandates and like and best so practice now, performance now Green building are, rating systems etc yeah so now they're going to be well, wait a minute this this just changes our workflow this enables us to deliver greater value to all these building owners building owners loving it because they all get the view they want or each tenant gets the view they want on you know the health and safety of their office which i think for recruiting back into the office there's got to be benefits there's got to be things that we're going to be considering because we're all you know the pandemic has had this fascinating effect on how we think about indoor space well it's all about transparency now right like we had one property manager say this is all about transparency i show how much I'm charging for energy, right? It's totally transparent to the to the tenant. Uh, I should be showing transparently what's happening with air quality. It's also really interesting what's happening with leases. So it used to be like commercial leases were really vague. It was like the, the landlord will supply adequate airflow. What is adequate, <laughs> right? Um, even even a lot like OSHA and all the others, like WorkSafe in, in British Columbia has also, it's very vague on how, but it's getting very solid. It's, it's, it's going from vague to very specific, very fast. 
very, very fast. Well, as we have the ability to get more specific, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where it was pretty standard office uh, building owners you know, turn off the air conditioning at six o'clock. Yes. You know, because work hours were, you know, the building would open at eight and, and go to six. The problem is startups and startup culture started taking possession of these office spaces and they didn't start work until noon or 11. Some of them just, they work late. And I, I'm one of those people, you know, now, for, unfortunately, I, I still also actually get up early. So I'm like an early and then a later. I like, I like a long lunch, you know, <laughs> but I can't imagine sitting in an office and then six o'clock, the air conditioning shuts off. I mean, honestly, in my head, I'm like, what, who the hell is done at this time? I don't understand. Let, let's, let's keep going here. The sun just went down. It means it's time to crank. And, and this is one of those advantages where you could genuinely control down to the employee comfort at a way that also conserves energy. But it's, but there's a return on investment that's almost instantaneous when you do that because energy costs per square foot are what's called five cents a square foot, but labor costs are like $600 a square foot, right? So if you save 1% in productivity, because people aren't sleepy in that meeting or sleepy in the space or drowsy because it's too hot or whatever the case may be, the return on investment is way faster with air quality improvements than it is yeah. with energy improvements. At a building facilities portfolio level, it's way faster. My, we're going to have to work on getting that message out because I, I haven't heard that in phrase like, just like that, you know, where mm -hmm. chasing energy efficiencies versus changing the productivity efficiencies and being able to, to do that actually just you know, in a few ways of how you're measuring the, the, the building and how it's using its use, its resources. Yeah. And that, and that's one of the, one of the first sort of indices we created was a cognitive performance index. You would call it productivity index. And basically it's a percentage. So my daughter was bragging the other day. She's like, dad, I've kept it at 98%, 99%, which is incredible. So basically what that means is there's only a 1% loss in productivity and learning, right? Which you can put a number to, so if you took that in salaries and you said, okay, well, that's only a 1% loss in salary, well, that's, a, that's great. But if it was 75%, what's 15% of, of salaries on a floor plate of 10,000 square feet? It's a big number, right? Uh, it's a percentage that I'm not going to be able to do the math in my head. Although I do think your daughter needs to get a promotion at chief resource or research I'm actually, officer. Or I think I'm going to be writing a, uh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's smarter than that's me. That's phenomenal to hear. So you have this case study happening in her classroom. She's managing the, the the data and are helping control the yeah. performance of the classroom there's a fascinating case well, we're going to be co-authoring we're going to be co-authoring a paper together <laughs> she's, she's a better writer than me i'm not joking you think i'm joking we are that's awesome no i i, I love it i think it's really because cool. because here was here was the thing i said is that uh, the school board's like well we need to you know find a way to get a grant for five million dollars to do all these 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 upgrades to schools and my, and my question was, well, how do you know where to allocate the funds? You have no oh, data whatsoever. It might be that you got five spaces that you need to spend all your money on and the rest are zero. You have no data. The first thing you need to do is figure out where the, the data first. We had clients that were telling us that there were schools that were all running out buying air purifiers um, and all regret it now because air purifiers have fans that are super teeny tiny super really loud, they don't move a lot of air, you gotta, you gotta replace the filters. They don't actually do very much. <laughs> so everyone has buyer's remorse, right? And they're coming back and going, hey, we should, we should do air quality monitoring to figure out what these things do. 
Um, I'm sad to tell you that uh, it does very little when you go to Staples and buy a whole oh, no. bunch of air filters for a space that it's just, it's too large. They're meant for like a single room. I can only imagine uh, what an air purifier does for a room of a bunch of kids coming in and out of the playground. Well, the other thing was that the fans were so loud, the teachers couldn't teach, so they were turning them off. <laughs> so there's, I mean, you have all of these, I mean, it's, it's, it's compounding effects of well intentions and totally. Uh, this but it's might a great be a little story bit... to think about it, right? That, that that kids can basically self like all they need is the data. I mean, if they can manage it, who can't? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they 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 do all kinds of other stuff. Like each she's so she's the classroom air monitor. So th- this might come off as a little bit of like a a, a curveball here, but I'd, I'd love to hear. Um, you know, I think I think more and more, especially in real estate, there's a, a consciousness and a. Um, at least the willingness now to recognize that we have a responsibility to, you know, managing our impact on the climate and how real estate and buildings genuinely do have an impact. Energy consumption from buildings, you know, I mean, that's that's our primary problem. It's, it, you know, as far as I understand it, and I'm not the smartest on this thing, but, you know, cars are not the primary. We go to buildings. So, and not to say the cars aren't a big problem, but I'd love to hear from you. You know, is there is there an element or a component of what Airset is doing and working on that can help buildings in their pursuit of being more conscious and aware of their impact and also reducing their impact on the climate? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think I mentioned before demand control ventilation. So demand control ventilation basically uses air quality data to be more efficient. So instead of heating and cooling a space with three people in it, like there's a hundred in it, you save energy, right? It's also the reverse. If you have if you have forty people all creating heat in a space, you need to heat it way less. So the thing that's the thing that's really interesting about air quality data is it's the lowest cost way to save massive amounts of energy. It's between ten and forty percent, um, and the beauty is you just tie it into your existing controls. So that's the other sort of partners that that work with us. So some people use the data for compliance. The others are using it to make more efficient um, control systems and controls algorithms so that the space saves energy. Wow, I, lo- I love it. Um, I think it's really cool. Um, we're we're going to shift here into the bottom half of the show. This is my favorite. We're going to go jump to the for the future. Where the future is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Michael, you've played this game before. Are you ready to go for round two? I am ready to go again. All right, let's do this. Question number one, what does error set look like one year from now? Oh, one year from now, we've, uh, we, we, can, we can identify the, the effects on sleep. We can identify all of these, these wonderful things that basically tell us you know, how air quality affects us in all ways. We've got, uh, we're in millions of square feet worth of space, having a positive impact on all of the people that are in there. Um, I mean, that's definitely where we're going to be in a year. And every classroom from here on out for, for your daughter. Yes, definitely. She I wanted to take it to her grade. math class. She's like, we have math class in another room. Can I bring it with me? <laughs> bring it with you. Take it wherever you need. Yeah. There you go. Question number two, what future public health liabilities will building owners need to be aware of and provide solutions to? 
Well, I think that's the big thing is it is a public health issue, right? Like outdoor air quality is, is considered public health, but indoor air quality also is. It's a lot of people in public spaces um, and it's, and it's going to get regulated really quickly, like really, really, really quickly. I don't doubt that. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Multiple different units. Used in American are using Fahrenheit. I'm using Celsius. Uh, Europeans use micrograms per meter cubed for, uh, for VOCs, whereas Canadians and Americans use parts per billion. Like, so one of the things that we have to do with all of these devices is make, make them all the same. Um, that's actually, we have an entire abstraction layer that basically turns all the data into a single format. So you can pick, you can toggle, um, but that's so never going to end. you normalize it to the locale of what, how they want to look at it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Also the trend of like time zones, anyone who's ever worked in software will tell you time zones are a nightmare, right? Like, and, um, and porting data, like what is, yeah, it's almost like a, a uh, a philosophical concept rather than a real concept when it comes to time. Do you know the the, the story behind time zones? How we did, did like how they got made or like why they really got pushed for? I don't actually know. No. Okay, I'm gonna butcher it, but I don't know why this triggered this. But it had something to do with trains. Ah, oh, that makes sense. And the trains, like they were all in different times, and they just didn't have a systemized way of how they were keeping time, and so people were missing things, and trains weren't showing up, and they were late. Leave it the trains to tell us times. It doesn't now. It doesn't help us justify daylight savings anymore. But uh, I'm fairly certain that's the story, and this is a challenge and open invite for everyone who's listening. If that story is wrong, go to the Apple Store and leave a review saying exactly why I was wrong on about trains being the, uh, the story behind time zones. Um, <laughs> final one here, number four. What's mm -hmm. one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? I think guessing. I think guessing is, is something that's been done in real estate for a really long time. Rules of thumb, right? The, like it's roughly this, it's roughly that. Mm -hmm. No one's going to be guessing anymore. <laughs> the amount of data that people have to make decisions is... is, is thankfully just growing um yeah yeah that's a good thing okay well we're going to move on to the final three these are questions for our listeners to get to know you better first one is what are you reading um fiction wise i'm finishing the second isaac asimov book i love the concept of uh of this foundation um, where all of human knowledge is stored, right? And, and, and the only way to do that is with thousands and thousands of people that you, it's, it just, it's, it just, I love it because it's like how you build a startup. You need hundreds and hundreds of people smarter than you, right? <laughs> so this foundation of knowledge to be able to move humanity forward. Um, and the other one is um, Tim Hafford's The Data Detective, oh. which is all about like how you manage data, how you view data, how you interpret data, because um, it, it can be misinterpreted, oh. right? Um, so it's really fascinating. He has a great podcast as well that I, it's called, um, cautionary tales, um, for adults is a good one. I like that. So if you also want a podcast, uh, uh, <laughs> recommendation, go. I like that your day job is in data and you go home and you, and you read about data. It makes me think like out there, there is a mechanic who still loves working on his own car, you know? Yeah, it's a definitely thing. question. Number two, who are you learning from? Oh, my entire team and our clients, um, everybody's smarter than me from my CTO to CPO to my client services people who are much more patient than me to 
Yeah, no, it's um, the whole team. And also just, I'm, I'm really amazed by, especially during the pandemic, the like public health officials, I would not, I'm just, these are amazing selfless people that get zero credit <laughs> and are vilified. Um, yet they, it, it, and, I, and I, you know, at two years in, like I can't imagine how hard this must be for them. It's pretty, sure. uh, pretty impressive. And the final one here, what inspires you? I, innovation and change inspires me. I, I, I love the idea that um, we're always getting better. Like we were, we were having a discussion the other day that my, my kids actually asked me about, uh, I can't remember what it was. And, and I said, oh, oh, it's space. Like how, how did space, how did we know that space was there? I was like, well, theoretically Galileo figured this all out, but we didn't actually prove it until the 50s. If you think about it, like we, they sent something into space. It's pretty amazing that we had this theory for hundreds of years, but couldn't prove it until after the Second World War. So the amount of progress we've made in the last little while is very inspiring. And the, um, and the acceleration of it is, is fascinating when you think of it at the time scale of human knowledge. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Michael, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I've learned a lot about air. I finally know more about myself. Now I know why I naturally know to open the window and turn the fan on. I had no yes. idea. And turn on your humidifier just, as well. Don't don't. Uh, we do have one. Yeah, we have. You should you should have one in a cold climate in the winter. You should have a humidifier. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Done. Sold. It is. They're not um, expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really appreciate all this. Before we close out, I want to give uh, everyone an opportunity if they want to connect with you or they want to learn more about Airset. Of course, a plug for your other company, Operto. Uh, you know, where would where would they go? How do they do that? So if you want to learn more about Airset, it's www.airset, air is an asset, .com, airset.com. Um, and just info at uh, airset.com is probably the fastest way to get to us. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you, Michael, for joining, coming back, round two on the TechNest podcast. I'm glad that uh, we were able to do this. It was even this. better than round one. I think Thanks, so. Nate. I think we got, we got better. Right, so. we're, we're getting better. Round three will be... The, the crowning achievement and then we'll retire we'll just go home it's all about practice practice <laughs> <Okay>. practice practice <laughs> all right we'll see you later talk to you later well thanks for listening to the tech nest podcast you can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store you can also join the newsletter head over to technest.io or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right in your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great, worthy listen. We'll see you next week.